And so for that that reason and, and that, that caused us to come back to in particular to Greenville because we felt, you know, I need to go back to my home. I'm telling people I'm telling people how to share the gospel with people that, you know, are indigenous to them, but am I doing that for people who would be indigenous for me? All right, welcome to this episode of The Weekly. My name is Trevor Hoffman. I'm one of the pastors at the Church of Greer Station and excited today about our guest. I have with us uh, the the legend that is Will Broaddus. Will, what's up, man? What's up? How's it going? Good, man. What's uh, What's been going on today? What you up to? Trying to do some sermon prep, man. Yeah? Yeah, man. What are you teaching through right now? Uh, going through the book of Titus. Okay. Yeah, going through Titus. Give us a little, give us a little sampling of what's to come this Sunday. Oh, man. Uh, so we're in Titus 2 first part, it just talks about um, how Christians live and their everyday relationships should adorn or, or um, help the gospel seem attractive to others in the way they live. Yeah, that's fantastic. Cool. So as a church, on uh, September 30th, we had Will um, come and share a little bit with us. Will is the pastor of Reconciled Church in West Greenville and wanted to have him on the podcast and tell us a little bit about uh, his calling, his life, where he's from, a little bit about himself, his family, and then tell the story of Reconciled Church um, and just kind of update us on what God's doing um, since the launch in March. Uh, yep. we're, we're actually recording in Kentland Baptist Church. Kentland Park Baptist Kentland Church. Kentland Park Baptist Church, That's which right. is where uh, Reconciled meets um, just off of Whitehorse Road. So mm-hmm. uh, we are recording on the communion table. Amen. And I'm sure, I'm sure that's allowed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... All right, well, tell us, where are you from, man? Tell us, oh, and there, there's somebody cutting the grass right now, so yeah, in case you hear that in the background, that's that's what's going on. So, Will, tell us, man, t- uh, where are you from? Yeah. When did you become a Christian, mm-hmm. and what is your least favorite food? Okay, uh, well, I'm actually from Greenville. Uh, I was born and raised here um, uh, near Southside High School, uh, so this is my hometown. Um, I We went to church uh, a little bit when I was younger, but we stopped going, and um, I actually, um, it's kind of a weird story. I, I was sitting in my room, it's about 14, I don't remember what I was doing. Um, I just had this overwhelming feeling that, that God loved me, and so I was able to get a hold of a pocket New Testament, and I began to read it until 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning for weeks, um, and that's how the Lord saved me. Same with the reading the scripture. Praise God. Is there any particular passage that was especially formative or that God used to call you to himself? Yeah, man. Uh, John seventeen three. it says, Eternal life is to know the one and only true God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. And that stuck out to me because I, I knew that I was a bad guy. I knew that I had sin. Um, and it, it really wowed me uh, that, that God still wanted to have a relationship with me. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord. Yeah. So tell us, man, least favorite food. Least favorite and food. And why? I actually like a lot of food. Um, being a missionary, you just eat stuff. Uh, least favorite food. Well, what was the weirdest thing that you had in China? Oh, that's a that's an easier question. Um, uh, probably squid on a stick. Squid on a stick. Yeah. Is this raw squid? Is this no, no, it wasn't squid? raw. No, it, it was it wasn't fried. It was like they had this their version of a it was like a coal like a mini coal grill, and um, yeah, just you know, it was just kind of like street food. And so it grilled squid on a stick. That's right. On the streets of China. It was good. Was it like the tentacle or was it the whole squid? Oh, man, the whole thing, head and everything. Really? Yeah. Did they like take out its eyeballs or anything or you just pretty much just go for it? Uh, maybe its eyeballs were taken out, but we just went for it. Dude. It was really good. Yeah? So I guess I didn't, I, I didn't answer your question that I don't like it, but 
<laughs> you're, you're indiscriminate when it comes to food. I yeah. like that. Cool. Yeah, so tell us, um, tell us a little bit about, um, so the Lord used uh, John 17, 3 to call you to himself, to save you. Uh, would there be any, any passages or any particular sermons or moments that you would identify as um, uh, like, like crucial or, or um, uh, kind of like a landmark moment where God called you into ministry? Yes and no. I got into ministry by accident. Um, when I was in high school, I wanted to share the gospel with my friends, but I didn't know how to do it, um, and I didn't really grow up in church. Uh, so I read the Bible, and I read the book of Acts, and I thought, well, they pray a lot. And so I got some friends together um, to pray in the morning. Uh, this teacher lets use our classroom. Um, I don't know if I myself have been to a prayer meeting yet. Uh, so we didn't know what we were doing. We prayed for like five seconds, and they looked at me. And they're like, what do we do now? And I was like, I don't know. I guess I'll teach you something. <laughs> And uh, that's, how, that's how I started teaching the Bible. It was very accidental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. What um, You may have already said this, but what high school did you go to? Jail Man. Jail Man, nice. Mm-hmm. When did you graduate? Uh, 08. Nice. My wife was there around that time. Really? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, it's a small world. It is. Yeah, um, so you stumbled into ministry by organizing a prayer meeting and then kind of accidentally teaching. Do you remember what you taught? Oh, bro, I'm sure it was whack. <laughs> no, I don't know what I said. <laughs> I, don't uh, yeah. I, I don't remember, but I'm sure it was very, very theologically wrong. Yeah, uh, but, yeah. But, but very, very heartfelt. <laughs> yeah, that dude, I remember um, I was, I think I was a senior in high school, and we had some kind of lock-in for my mm-hmm. youth group or whatever, and my youth pastor asked me to teach, like to share something, and so I like poured over it was it was something in first or second john i don't remember what it was you know something like mm. love your brother or something like that and i remember just pouring over it like studying and studying and i went up to like deliver the message and i, I maybe talked maybe talked for 90 seconds <laughs> <laughs> maybe 90 seconds that was so that was that was kind of my first exposure yeah. to teaching and thankfully th- well hopefully <laughs> I've grown a little bit since then. Yeah, God's gracious. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you so you graduated from Jail Man in 2008, mm-hmm. then you ended up at North Greenville? Mm-hmm. Right? That's right. How, how, do, how, do you, how do we know each other? Were we at North Greenville at the same time? Maybe. When did you graduate from NGU? 12. Okay, I graduated in 2009, so. So like one year? Maybe a little bit over. Yeah, yeah. maybe one year overlap. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing about being a... Uh, a Baptist and being a church planter, you just kind of you just kind of know one another. Yeah, I guess. that's just, true. We just run in the same circles. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, how did how did you end up in North Greenville? What's the story behind that? Uh, long story short, uh, they knew my classmates knew I was a Christian. There is an admissions counselor. Shout out to Debbie Barefoot. She was in the lunchroom at Jail Man, and um, I had never heard of North Greenville. And she's like, uh, "You want to come to the school?" I was like, "I don't know." She said, "If you fill this out right now, I'll waive the application fee." So I was like, okay, that's easy. So you went to North Greenville? I went to North Greenville. Because you didn't have to pay an application for it. That's right. That's awesome. That's how I started. So did you go in with the intention of uh, going into ministry? Was that the... Yeah, I went in, uh, my first major was intercultural studies. I wanted to be a missionary. Um, Romans 15 really impacted me, uh, where Paul says, I want to preach the gospel of Christ has not yet been named. Mm-hmm. And so you, after graduating from North Greenville, you, you did that. You went to... China. You spent two years in China, is that right? It's been a year. And okay. before that, so I went to Southern Seminary for a little bit. Okay. We, I got married, my wife went to Southern Seminary, did some ministry um, in the, the inner city context a little bit. Then we got an opportunity to go to, to Northwest China, did some ministry there, did some evangelism and discipleship. And the ministry really turned into um, 
equipping uh, in, indigenous believers to do evangelism. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Your time at Southern, would you say there was any particular, um, was there any class or um, a particular professor that was like really, really impactful for you? That's going to make it sound really whack when I say no. But <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll just edit that portion out of the podcast. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what was most impactful to me was the city. Hmm. Louisville uh, is one of the refugee cities hmm. of America. And so I had neighbors from Somalia and Syria and Iraq and Nepal. And so me being interested in missions, it was it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the nations came to you, right? Yeah. Like you, you didn't have to go anywhere to, to go find them. They were in your backyard. That's right. Yeah. And so what's the story about your time in China? How did that materialize? Yes. As I explain my life, it seems really random. <laughs> um, because uh, I was praying one day and I felt this strong impression to go to, to Northwest China to teach English. I didn't have a teaching degree, nor had, did I know anybody in Northwest China. Uh, but I told uh, one of my friends who was an accountability partner, he's like, oh man, I know this guy. He leads this organization called Northwest China Teachers. I was like, that's convenient. And um, so I met that. He's like, oh, he's in America for one more week. You want to meet him? I was like, yeah, that seems like a good idea. Uh, and about two or three months later, we're in China. Dude, I love it. Yeah. Now, what I love, what I, I mean, you kind of jokingly made the comment a minute ago about things seeming so random in your life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What I love about what you're saying um, about how God has kind of like orchestrated the different turns that your life has taken is it's, it's not like um, it's not like God always appears to us the way He appeared to Paul. You know, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Don't, he doesn't always split the clouds. It's not always like super dramatic. Mm-hmm. Sometimes God uses the most like minute, most mm-hmm. um, th- like the tiniest, most insignificant of things to make major course corrections in our lives. Most definitely. Um, uh, tiny comments and, and things here and there that just kind of kind of blossom into something yeah. big, yeah. That's great. So uh, you, you spent some time, spent a year in China teaching mm-hmm. English. Mm-hmm. Any Anything other than the grilled squid that you got to eat there? Was there anything else that was like really um, impactful about your, your season there? About food? Or just in general? <laughs> I mean, a food, sure. I mean, there's more food, or just in general. Uh, um, I, me getting to see secondhand what persecution was like, that was important to me. Um, though it wasn't, I, nobody, like, died or got beaten, but it was a very real social ostracism that I had not encountered. And to have friends either experience that or be afraid to come to Jesus because of that uh, was really eye-opening to me. Hmm. One of the things I, I loved about uh, the, the Sunday you were with us, um, you opened your sermon with a story of two folks, one who was willing to follow Jesus no matter the cost, mm-hmm. and one who just couldn't quite mm-hmm. make it public for fear of being ostracized. Yeah, yeah and, and that seeing... Um, Hearing that and seeing that sort of thing, I'm sure, just kind of gives new meaning to the, the stories and the scriptures where you yeah. see Jesus calling disciples and, or, or you see, like, Peter instructing these believers on how to deal with, like, ostracism mm-hmm. and opposition that they're experiencing because of their commitment to Jesus. Yeah, yeah that's, that's fantastic. Um, so after, after coming back from China, mm-hmm. uh, Reconcile Church. Yeah, man. Began. How? What was the? What's the story there between those two events? Well, we uh, actually when I was when I was there, uh, in in China, uh, felt really. It was really ironic. I was like, I feel like I was supposed to plant a church in the inner city, and I was like, but I'm I'm here now. <laughs> and so we were. Me and my wife were very confused. We prayed, and 
and really sought the Lord, talked to mentors. Um, and, and really, I think there is a sense in which we can look at our inner city communities and see them as unreached. There are similarities in, in how that works. And so for that, that reason, and, and that, that caused us to come back to, in particular to Greenville, because we felt, you know, I need to go back to my home. I'm telling people, I'm telling people how to share the gospel with people that, you know, are indigenous to them, but am I doing that for people who would be indigenous for me? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, uh, but I wanted to get trained. I know I didn't know how to plan a church. Uh, I probably still don't, but anyway. Uh, but, <laughs> I, can, yeah, I can relate to that. Uh, but uh, we, we did, uh, I did some internsh- internship at East North Church uh, with Todd Perkins. Uh, that We found that about them because we wanted to go through Acts 29. So Nice. Are you guys are 829 affiliate? Yeah, no? we are. Nice. If you're not familiar with Acts 29, that's a, a network of, um, how, how did they formally classify themselves? Reformed, Baptistic, missional churches? Mm, they have like five distinctives, man. <laughs> now nah, I sound like a really bad Acts 29 person. <laughs> I know Reformed is certainly one of them, and yeah. missional is one of them, but they're yeah. Presbyterians at Acts 29 too. Okay. So it's not okay. only Baptist. Okay. Uh, but just yeah. go- if you're listening, just Google, Google Acts it, man. 29. We'll be able to figure it out. <laughs> Their tagline is churches planting churches. So that they, they're, that's what their thing is about. Fantastic. Yeah. Disciples making disciples, churches planting churches. Yeah. yeah fantastic. So you, you spent some time um, with Todd and yeah. company. You got trained up there, and mm-hmm. then, then you were sent out. Uh, wh- when were you guys formally commissioned out? I mean, there was a, there was a yeah. significant amount of time between when you when you launched and when you were commissioned out. Yeah, right? yeah. January 2017 okay. is when we were, like, commissioned. That's when my family moved to the west side, um, and we had a team. Um, it wasn't big. Maybe 15. Um, and then when we when we got here in the first six-ish months, we had a significant amount of people leave um, because though I communicated some of the complexities of the area, um, there still was, um, when in the reality, when somebody like, you know, dies in your front yard, which it, which happened to one of the people on our team, mm. um, you know, you, won't, you don't want to be around that. So. Mm. So yeah, we started super small. We, we were not one of those church plants that came out the gate with a lot of folks. Um, and so it was very incarnational, very like, we started in our home, uh, sharing the gospel with our neighbors, um, doing like little block parties in our front yard, um, just really organic like that. Mm. Um, and so uh, as we did that, uh, we, we, we continued to meet more people, share the gospel with folks. Um, we found that we had a need to meet on Sundays. And so we started meeting in a fellowship hall of a church called Welcome Back to Church. Um, and then in December of 2017, we started meeting in Kentland Park Baptist Church on Sunday nights. And at that point, uh, ironically, like we were functioning as a church. I was preaching. People were in groups. Um, people were getting discipled. And so I was like, well, launch is somewhat semantic, but we should probably do it. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 So um, March of... March 25th is what you said, right? March 25th. Of, of 2018. That's right. You guys launched. That's right. And you've been rocking and rolling ever since. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, if you're listening to the podcast and you're a member of the Church at Greer Station, you might not know this, but we have, a couple of times we have mm. helped with child yes. care, with Reconcile. We've, um, we, we know the pains of trying to uh, launch a church. We know the pains in particular of of making sure that our, our children are, are well cared for. So that was one area where we felt like in particular we could we could lend yeah. some strength. And so Super whether or not you know it, yeah, we have we have 
you have helped support the ministry of Reconcile Church. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, you've alluded to some already. What would you say are some of the challenges of ministry um, in this particular context? Like some of the ways in which Reconcile Church is um, bumped up into some frustrations? Sure. So we're in the, the highest concentration of poverty in our county. Um, uh, with, with poverty comes a super low level of trust. And so because the trust is so low, the runway towards friendship is extremely long. Uh, so if we're going to share the gospel effectively and make disciples and things like that, um, th- there's just not a bunch of people like going, where should we go to church today? It's just not what they're doing. And then if we show up, they're not like, oh, well, we trust these people. They're thinking, who, who are you? What do you want? What are you doing? That's one Another challenge, I think, would be that usually mercy ministry or poverty ministry has uh, been very uh, parachute-oriented. And what I mean is that um, a church or an organization comes in and then leaves real quick. Um, And so what that has done is that has actually conditioned folks to expect that you won't stay long, Hmm. which makes the whole trust issue even more of an issue. Um, And I think the other thing is that uh, our, our... This is get into logistics, but our church planting strategies have, are not made for planting churches in inner cities or in places with a lot of poverty um, because the standard expectation is that you'll be self-sustaining in three years. Um, but again, if the people that we're reaching are the highest concentration of poverty, uh, that would not be a, be a realistic expectation for us. Hmm. Man. What would be some ways in which we could be an encouragement to you guys yeah. as you labor in this difficult context? I mean, definitely pray. I mean, that's that. I don't say it in a cliche way. Cliche way, like the Bible talks about like spiritual warfare. That there is a legitimate enemy, um, and that that there are tangible effects. And it, this is a really side note, but I have never had more people talk to me about Satan than since I've been in this community. Hmm. Like people who don't go to church. I'm like, how are you doing? They're like, man, Satan's really attacking me. There's this this blatant acknowledgement of spiritual evil, which is just it's just new to me. Mm. Um, so, but definitely prayer, because there are uh, people I see people uh, I can name names people internally wrestling with the gospel, um, and, and I can tell it's a real fight in their heart. Um, the other thing is, um, if you are interested in moving and helping, that would be helpful too. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't talk about that, but <laughs> if you would like to move uh, to the inner city, <laughs> that would be great. Hey, well, dead serious. If you're listening to this podcast and you are a member of the Church of Greer Station and you feel a pull to move to this area of town to work alongside Will, then by all means, man, let this be one of those. Let this be one of those mundane ways God communicates and, and course corrects. You know, shoot, man. If absolutely. <laughs> I'd be all for that. Uh, yeah, man, I, I'm, I, I'm super encouraged and just remain encouraged by your faithfulness to the task that God's called you to in, in this difficult context. And, I, and I, I really just respect the heck out of the work that you guys are doing. And I, I know it's not easy, and I know that there's been frustrations along the way. Um, but one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on this podcast was just to encourage our church with your example of, of faithfulness and steadfastness and and um, 
Will, you are an aggressive disciple maker. I think every time I've been with you, you've had like at least one or two dudes with you that you're <laughs> raising up in, in some form or fashion. So um, I, uh, uh, I, I'm encouraged by the work that you're doing, and I, I think our church uh, should be encouraged by the work that you're doing. And, man, just, just want to keep say, like, keep it up. Keep up the example. You're crushing it. Well, praise God. Praise yeah. God for his grace. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, a second ago, Will, was you were scratching your arm, and I noticed you have John 17.3 tattooed right there. <laughs> that's, that's so good, man. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, hey, our, our 20 minutes is up, but let me, let me have a word of prayer for you. Yeah, please Let's do. Pray. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful that you are a God who, uh, who knows us and invites us to know you, and you have reconciled us by the blood of your son. You have, you have brought us back to yourself um, you have you have made us sons when we were formerly uh, rebels and enemies and at odds with you and, and, and your word and your way, but you have changed our hearts and you are making us new. But you've also reconciled us um, with one another. We are made children into your family and inherit a whole bunch of brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. and, and we're grateful for that. And, and I'm grateful for my brother Will and the work that he's doing and the example that he's setting in uh, just aggressively evangelizing and making disciples here in Greenville. And God, I pray just for tremendous fruit that you would keep um, keep Will energized, that you would keep their work churning. Um, and God, I pray for um, uh, that you would just establish this work and that Reconcile would be um, a beacon of hope here in this community. Um, I pray for... Um, uh, I pray against the enemy and the, and the work uh, that, that he is actively engaged in and in, in, in blinding folks, uh, the, the eyes of their hearts. Um, I pray that you would, through the preaching of the gospel and the influence mm-hmm. of will and reconcile, that you would, that you would break his, his grip on, yeah. on the folks in this community. And uh, Lord, we're we, uh, grateful just for the task that is, uh, that is ministry and church planting. And we ask, Lord, that you would work through us. Lord, we, we know that you're eager. We know that you're a God who's on mission, and we uh, desire and, and long deeply to uh, to be a part of that. Um, Lord, we love you. We thank you. Um, we, we pray for um, continued provision, and uh, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Will, thanks, dude. Appreciate right, you being you. on. All right, thanks for listening to The Weekly. Uh, tune in uh, next week for some uh, riveting episode that I'm sure I'm going to have in, in, in order for you, although it's going to be hard to top Will. So uh, tune in next time. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes.